Welcome back to Talking Super Coach with Streety and Oz. It's a very dark and gloomy uh, couple of days here uh, in Melbourne where we record the pod, but not as dark and gloomy as the face that I'm staring at on the other end of this Zoom call because I've got one of the more fired up and frustrated uh, super coach participants that I've ever seen. And I've seen Streety cranky, but I don't know if I've ever seen him this cranky. Mate, uh, you're going to be able to contain yourself throughout this show? Yeah, look, I, was, I wasn't sure if you were talking about my super coach team, the Melbourne Demons, or the weather uh, with that <laughs> intro, but yeah, I guess it's uh, it's applicable for all three um, because the weather sucks, uh, my super coach team sucks, and the Ds well and truly suck. So yeah, rough, uh, rough few days, but you know, here we are, fronting up from another podcast, so you know, this is uh, the listeners and yourself should should appreciate the commitment um, by myself for, for being here uh, this afternoon. It does say a lot about your character, mate, that uh, I've over the weekend we do share uh, war stories, but your week this week in particular was a horror show of the highest order. It happened to come against me as well in one of our leagues. So Yeah, that, that hurts. That was the worst part. I could just uh, see our head-to-head because um, we've obviously got some shared players that aren't going that well. We both don't have Lockie, we both don't have Max. Uh, so when my point of differences to you did as poorly as they did, that just uh, rubs some salt into the very large wound. <laughs> and then, um, you know, so Supercoach is going averagely, sit down Sunday Arvo to watch the Ds, not with much optimism, and then just probably watch the the, the team, uh, I don't know what to say, I don't know how to say this, the worst ever team at kicking the football. Um, yep. would be the Melbourne Demons, I reckon, because yeah, what they dished up yesterday was absolutely terrible. And finally, the media is starting to talk about my football club, so it's not as completely relevant as it was. Um, but yeah, the, the heat should be well and truly on them because, mate, I tell you what, they're they're just they're shocking. It's bad, isn't it? Watching the disposal efficiency and just like the lack of care in where your team was trying to kick the footy. Like, I love Clayton Oliver and I love Jack Viney for how hard they are, but. Me and you are a better kick of a football than they are. It's it's atrocious, absolutely yeah, mate, atrocious. I've always said I'm deadly over about ten meters, and that's about my <laughs> limit. But that would actually be good for the D's at the moment because yeah. Clayton Oliver, with about five minutes left, uh, did probably the worst kick in the AFL I've ever seen. That's pretty there. bad. It was pretty bad. But look, that's enough demons chat. People aren't here to listen to that. They're here to listen to us talk super coach. Uh, so quick summary: how we went on the weekend. I just broke two thousand two thousand and eleven, um, which coming into Sunday, I thought I was going to have a ripping score, but then. I had a few people on Sunday just have an absolute mare, which we'll get to. I ended up trading out Fife. Uh, I went to Paddy Dangerfield, who uh, didn't look uh, fantastic, and we'll get on to him as well. The one good thing I've done basically all year, though, was go from Robertson to Ridley. So I finally got Robertson out of my team. Ridley in. He looked really, really good again. Don't know how long he can keep it up, having played 12 games, but uh, he looks like a fair player. What did you end up doing, Streety? I assume you got rid of uh, Coniglio after your, all your chat last week, saying there's no way he survives. So, other than Cogs, who'd you who'd you trade out? Well, I well, I'll start with my score, um, even though I should probably just ignore it. But I got a 18.35, which is Ooh. just horrendous. Um, see me drop 10,000 places and pretty much lose interest in the season 2020. But I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm here for the people, which is what I'm all about. Uh, trade-wise, I traded Dylan, finally, like you, but I went to Stephen Hill, who uh, once again scored about 30 points or 35 points in the first quarter and then 15 for the rest of the match. So I think uh, old mate Stevens on about 95 points, quarter one, 50 points for the remaining six in his two <laughs> games so far. But, you know, that's, that's a base to work off, so I'm all right there. Uh, and then kept Cogs in the end. Ooh. Uh, it's almost like you did exactly as I said you were going to do last week. Wow. Yeah, well, I I don't even know what I did, to be honest. I think um, at that point I, got, I was pretty much done with the round as well. So I was like, whatever, Cogs can go down with this sinking ship. <laughs> um, and I traded Fife as well, uh, even though I told people to consider not doing that because it was a minor injury. And turns out that, you know, as of the time of the pod, sounds like he could very well play this weekend. So, yeah, I got that one right. Uh, but, you know, didn't listen to my own advice, as per usual. But, you know, at least at least I traded him, gained some money, and got 150, you know, 100 points over a rookie. So, you know, that, that, uh, that was pretty good. Because, you know, you trade five to another premium who does well. Yeah. Uh, um, but that didn't, that didn't happen either because <laughs> I, uh, I traded five to... 
Bontempelli, <laughs> who only outscored Tyler Brown by 15 points with a 55. Yeah. So how good, how good is Supercoach, mate? I'll tell you what. That just, I don't know, there's not much else to say really, is there? No, no, that's rough. I, I, I'm really struggling not to laugh the entire way through that because it is a genuine horror story. And the passion with which you've just, you know, talked through the last minute and a half shows how much you do care but how much of a broken man you truly are. Um, it's just it's just frustrating. I tell you, I, and I won't, like, it doesn't really, I'm not, I'm not like, phased by it um, because, you know, it just keeps happening. So, you know, whatever. But for two weeks in a row to have uh, people say that was Coniglio's worst game ever and then for people to write a week later that was Bontempelli's worst game ever, um, it's just, it's tough to... Yeah, tough to stomach. Yep, fair enough, but no point looking back anymore, mate. Time to look forward. Uh, so there's a. it was obviously an eventful week as well, a lot of things to cover off. I think the obvious starting point for us uh, really is around the best first year footballer we've seen in quite some time going down with a shoulder injury. There was obviously a lot of build-up going into the game about the fact that he was playing against those two legends in their milestone. You know, he jumped to third favourite for the Brownlow, which, hilarious. Um, but Matty Rao, uh, the fact that he went down, it doesn't look good from all reports. We obviously don't, at this point, know what the time frame looks like, but at any uh, at any cost, having a six in his cycle and a shoulder that's, you know, going to be very very sore. Uh, where do you sit on this one? Uh, as of you know, we're talking on a Monday night. Yeah, mate, twenty twenty, the uh, the gift that keeps on giving. Mm. And, uh, it sucks as well. Um, so you know, I, I wasn't obviously not too fast super coach wise because everyone has him, but just watching him or you know following the story that was Matt Rowell this year was one of the few good things about AFL. Um, and yep. yeah, the fact that, you know, and I doubt, very much doubt that he could have kept it up, but the fact he was going to, you know, his third favourite for the Brownlow and he was bloody potentially going to get tagged against the Cats, like, mm. that was all just awesome. So yeah, for that to be taken away, it's just cruel. Uh, but yeah, as for, yeah, as for what you do with him, hard to know at this point. Like, I was probably of the opinion um, that Matt Rowe wasn't going to be a keeper anyway. Like, he was going to hit the wall at some point. So like, I'd always backed it in the. Um, the fact I might have to trade him out. So, yeah, I will likely go down that route. But, yeah, for others, it probably depends on, once again, your own your own circumstances. There's uh, a lot of people might have money from a couple of downgrades last week. And there's also quite a few other underperforming rookies now, or rookies that are colourable. So, you know, if you think Rao can honestly, you know, come back, even if he misses a couple of weeks, come back and be... You know, as dominant as he was or at least a sort of one tennish player then keep him if you have doubts like I do then yeah I would look at um, trading him why he still has value because yeah obviously if he's six now he'll uh, it's kind of now or never if you if you want to trade or hold yeah I agree I, I'm um, my only thing that I would add to that is is I personally just feel as though it almost is a, a, a non-negotiable he's got to go um, the reason behind that is this: it is such a short season. Um, there was, was obviously the question marks as to whether or not he was going to keep it up anyway. He has got to a price point where there are a lot of options around and uh, it isn't that difficult to get him up to a genuine primo. I I think you almost have to cull, uh, cull on Raul and just cop that. If you genuinely think he's going to be a 110 midfielder, he's got a six in his price cycle anyway. So you've got the chance to see when he comes back, watch him drop in price a little bit and then try and get him back in if you desperately need to. So I personally am in the uh, he's got to go camp. But yeah, you're right. It was just, it just sucked. Just sucked to see. Like it was one of the few exciting things about footy. Gold Coast were, were actually flying as well and he was a big reason why. So yeah, bit of a shame. But I personally think it's uh, it's definitely a trade out almost regardless of uh, of what the outcome is of the injury. Yeah, well, the fact um, the fact he has made so much money as well, and you can essentially downgrade him to a, a Whitfield or Yo yeah. or you know, so a host of other players that we might go through shortly. Um, yeah, it does lend itself to the fact that you know, take 
the you know enjoy what we had for a month. Um, but yeah, time to move on and um, trade him out. Yep, makes sense to me, my friend. Did you want to chat any further about a few of these underperforming premiums that uh, wandered around on the weekend? I know you've, you've already given us a bit of an angry spray over the bond, but he wasn't alone. There was a, a number of other premiums that, that struggled. The thing that really stood out to me is players that can be tagged is one aspect of it. And secondly, players that rely on a high impact moment, so kicking goals or contested marks and those sorts of things, are high risk in these shortened games. The thing that's really standing out to me is you need to uh, be at the coalface and just be accumulating points just through incidental things like tackles, like little um, contested handballs at the bottom of packs. And I, I just feel as though there are players like Bont, obviously on the weekend, who is clearly their best footballer and so is going to draw the tag most weeks or with most sane coaches anyway. And because he's not a you know 8-10 tackle a game type player, same as like a, a Paddy Dangerfield and a few others, it's it's a bit scary. And I, yeah, that, that's the thing that stood out to me on the weekend with a number of the primos that were underperforming. Yeah, I'm not sure, man. Um, it's kind of, for me, it's pretty hard to, apart from time on ground, pretty hard to identify any trends uh, because, you know, you say that and then like someone like a Jack McRae, like his scoring just doesn't make sense mm. um, because he fits that mould of he's around the ball, he tackles, he gets those cheap loose ball, get handballs. It's pretty much how he scores points and has done in the past. Yet he's just dishing out 90s each week. Uh, Josh Kelly has been okay the last fortnight. But even yeah. then he was slow. He said slow, started slowly on the weekend and sort of came home strong, danger as well. So Titch only got 100. I, I don't I don't know. Um, it's kind of you got you got Lucky Neal and then you got a bunch of other players that I'd never consider. And, you know, like your Travis Brooks and Duncans and Gaffs. Like even then, like they're, they're accumulators, they're runners, they're mm. outside players and they're scoring well. So I honestly don't know. I, I, and I don't really think you can make any decisions based on those types of trends outside of the time on ground. Um, I think now it's about getting the players you like and then chasing value because there's going to be a lot of value with just the, you know, Spud scores pretty much every player bar Lockie Neal and the Rucks addition out you know, every fortnight, every three weeks. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a fair call. I, I would just add to that that I, I genuinely do have the feeling this year that the floor, because there are those spud scores that pop up, the floor is important. And the fact that if you get a couple of players that you know can accumulate, even if they're not getting the footy, eight or ten tackles in a game, I just feel a lot safer. You used the example of Jack Steele last week, who had a pretty terrible game and still scored 75. The players like Le- um, Levi, Hugh Greenwood, who was uh, obviously really good again, he just accumulates via tackles. Titch just almost can't score worse than what he did on the weekend. So just something to think about. But you're right in that the only obvious trend that we really need to keep track of is time on ground. And I know there were some interesting takeaways from the weekend, Matt. I don't know if you want to run through a couple of those, but uh, it's the one thing that I think really stands out as uh, a key thing for us to keep track of ahead of uh, the weeks to come. Yeah, well, I think like time on ground is the big one. I mean, we've talked about it a few times, but it continues to uh, point in the direction that, yeah, if you spend time on the ground, you're going to score. Lucky Neal, once again, spent 98% or something ridiculous on ground. He didn't miss a centre bounce. The Rucks, I think like Grundy, uh, no, sorry, Max and Goldstein, about 95% each. They've missed a handful of centre bounces all year. Grundy's up there too. And then, yeah, I think if, you, if you're on the ground, the chances of you scoring are just far greater. And then you've got mids that are being rotated more. Um, and you're talking like 10 to 15% less time in the middle than Lockie Neal. It, it is hurting their scoring. So Lockie Neal was last year high 80s, early 90% time on ground player, as were most mids. Um, or if you weren't, you were sort of a low 80s. But that's, you know, the, the gap there is minimal compared to this year where you sort of got, you know, some players at high 70s, low 80s compared to Lockie Neal at 98. Yeah, well, we're, we're seeing the consequences. Um, having said that, like there are some trends that, well, actually it's not a trend, it's players that Harry Street trades in, but it's because uh, Marcus Bontempelli has been 90% tog four games in a row, and then I get him and he's 78%. So, you know, go figure. And Caniglia as well, the other guy I traded in is 90% four weeks in a row, and then this week he's only 76%. So... Not very sure what you can uh, yeah what, what what you can pull from that outside of the fact that uh, they're industry champions. 
Yeah, well, maybe that's it. Maybe you just need to make a press release each week, say I'm trading in this bloke so his time on ground will drop by 25% and warn the world. Um, no, it's a, it is a fair point. Oh, I wanted to call out a couple of examples just to sort of ram that home, right? So I don't know if you watched uh, Elliot Yo on the weekend, but he had a, a lot of positive chat that came away from his game, and he looked awesome, right? He was back to being um, aggressive and tackling, and he had that floor in place, as we just alluded to, because he was around the footy all the time. My The big reason that I personally wouldn't go near Elliot Yo but would be all over Andrew Gaff is that time on ground component. Andrew Gaff was tagged pretty well in the game and he had a pretty average one, 80, scoring 83, but he was 98% time on ground compared to Elliot Yo, who was 75%. Elliot Yo almost can't play better than what he just did and he still only had 120. And I, I personally just feel like if they're going to head back to a Western Australian hub and Andrew Gaff is going to play 90 to 95, sometimes even more percent time on ground as opposed to an Elliot Yo, who I know is cheap and is very, very enticing in the near future it's just you've got to pay attention to those numbers because it really heavily influences the potential scoring potential and the floor like with Lockie Neal score outscored Elliot Yo by eight points on the weekend but was nowhere near as good um (laughs) but he played 25 percent more time on ground so you've got to pay attention to it yeah I think you do um and thankfully for us because you know we we clearly didn't at the start of the year. There's only 12 weeks of that left um, before it goes back to normal time on ground and, and normal player picking. But yes, for the remainder of the year, I think uh, Tog's important. Aim for 90% plus and you're halfway to a good score. I, I'm pretty excited about this next bit. I'm keen to hear your sting as we lead into uh, this new segment of yours that you're keen to run. You said you'd have a sting ready to go, so take it away, Streety. I will say um, the thanks to the listeners. The response for the segment was amazing. Um, got a few you know, personal messages just saying that it's you know, it was the highlight of the show. I didn't I know your parents listened, listeners. mate. Fair enough. Most listeners we've had so far, uh, and they said it's because of this segment. They passed it on to mates and stuff. Now, like, guys, check out this podcast. It's true. You know what I'm doing uh, because the, the segment of the most traded in players is off the charts. So that, I appreciate it, everyone. Thanks, thanks for those kind words. Um, it means a lot, especially at the moment. Um, so yeah, I, I will. I am going to say now though, and I'm, I'm sorry if I've disappointed anyone, but the sting isn't quite there yet. Oh. I plan, I plan to work on it, work on it over the weekend. But you know, just uh, getting myself up to do a Super Coach podcast over those few days just was, was difficult to do. So selfishly, uh, we're just going to go you know, roll into this segment by talking. But uh, I promise everyone that I will have some sort of uh, yeah, sting and it'll be worth the wait uh, in the very near future for this podcast. Your promises mean absolutely nothing to the listeners. You promised your cogs was absolutely gone from your team. Didn't happen. You promised you'd have a sting ready to roll. Didn't happen. You promised me that you were going to Jack Steele a couple of weeks ago and look how that's worked out for you. Didn't happen. Mate, don't you go promising because everyone knows that means squat. Yeah, fair call. And I keep um, I keep getting punished by the fact that I don't uh, don't adhere to my promises. So yeah, maybe there's something in that. But anyway, doesn't matter. That's enough chit chat. But uh, let's get stuck into Streety's most popular trades trade outs. You're to work on the name. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's part of the sting. That's all part of the, the workshop for that. Anyway, we get 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 stuck into it. So, mate, last like last week, because I think that worked well. You probably banged on a little bit as you normally do, but um, just like a quick a quick a sentence or two on you know whether what you think of this player. And this is according to Supercoach Gold, uh, the ten most popular traded in players as of Monday afternoon. So number one on the list is <coughs> Jake Arts, a, or whatever his state surname, a $124,000 Richmond forward rookie. What do you think, mate? Yep, I uh, like it. I think with all the injuries that occurred to Richmond on the weekend, I think it's quite likely that he holds his spot at least for long enough to get us a little bit of uh, cash. And the fact that he put up a 74 is quite a decent score. I did watch the game, looked good. Um, yep, go for it. I think there's one other rookie that might play this week that I'd probably prefer to pick, but we'll get to him in a bit. Yep. I Unfortunately, because I wanted wanted to double upgrade this week because so I got the cash, uh, Jake Arts seems like he's almost a must-get a must uh, considering he scored okay, he looked pretty good, and yeah, with Richmond's injury list plus a couple, couple of players opting out of the hub, 
he will uh, he should score pretty well. So yeah. it's a yes for me as well. Number two on the list is someone you traded in last week, mate, and he's jumped up. He jumped up fifty k. He's now up to four hundred sixty thousand dollars flat. He's someone that I talked about at three hundred twenty thousand dollars. So yeah, it's a bit bit rough for me personally. But keen to get your opinion on Jordan Ridley and whether at that price, given once again his his, his game count uh, and the fact he's only a, a fourteen game veteran, the opposite to veteran noob, uh, whether he's worth it. Uh, ironically, because I did trade him in last week, this week I'd say it's a big no. The reason I'd say it's a big no is uh, he's getting to the point where he's basically just premium priced anyway. There's players like Rory Laird that have been there, done that, that are, are not that much more expensive than uh, a Ridley currently. Um, and I, I still very much doubt that come the end of the year he's in the top six defenders. He might be a top 10, but I I personally think it's a big risk to take at the price he is at now. And there are so many other good options to go to in terms of upgrades that I think he's a no this week. Yep, completely agree. I don't have him. uh, But I, at 410, I thought he was borderline, just given, you know, once again, the fact he's played 13 career games now. (laughs) Um, and you know he's, he's I don't think he's scoring or at the level he's currently doing is definitely not sustainable yep. whether it's you know D6 material potentially but uh, yeah I mean I had that opinion 410k so I've definitely got it now at $460,000 one game hasn't uh, hasn't changed my mind so yeah it's a it's a no from me congratulations to those who jumped on but yeah at this point for yeah as I said for an extra 30k you can get a Rory Laird who's got seven years of proven uh, history, so yeah, and no for me. Number three, someone you spoke about just a bit before, mate, Elliot Yo. Thoughts? He's four hundred and seventy-eight thousand. Yeah, he's he's so tempting at that price, but I I'm a no, I'm a no on Elliot Yo, and it's hard for me because I you know I'm a big Elliot Yo fan. I oh boy. Uh, I spotted him well before you did. You were just adequate. He was no good. He's since won multiple best and fairest in all Australian. But anyway, um, I'm a no, uh, and the time on ground thing scares me. So he looked awesome, uh, yes, and he scored really well, and he tackles, and he's around the footy, so he's got all the, the trademarks. But I personally just think he's he's not the sort of player that's going to play 90% time on ground. He's the sort of player that's every now and then going to spit out a 50 or a 60 just through not being around the footy enough. There's also... A lot of good scorers at West Coast. He's also all the rage this week, so uh, teams are going to put more planning and effort into him, so he's a no for me. Yeah, he's probably a yes for me. I won't get him, but he's a yes for me if you don't already have a couple of value picks or you're not aiming for a couple of value picks in the midfield. Um, yeah, I mean, I personally went McGrath's mine, but yeah, Elliot Yo, 480,000. He's got history, two seasons of 105 or three seasons of 105 plus. 480k is about to play in West in um, Perth for the next eight weeks. Uh, you could definitely do worse. So yeah, I think from here, even with his target worst, he's probably you know 100, 105, and you know considering there's only 12, 10 games left or whatever there is, um, it's uh, yeah, it's a it's a good buy. So yeah, I think um, if you don't prefer others around that price, or if you've had a look and there's not players dropping to a similar price, and you need some value, and trust me, you all will at some point. Uh, you could definitely do worse than Elliot. Uh, number four on the list, mate. I think we're probably definitely both a yes here, and don't go, don't need to go into too much detail. Is Lockie Whitfield at four hundred forty-one thousand? Yep, massive. Yep, he's the reason for me. Elliot Yo is an O, so uh, yes, hundred uh, percent. Yeah, agreed. I mean, we both paid six hundred ten thousand for him, uh, so I think we're both prepared to pay four hundred forty thousand for him. Don't second guess this one. Don't try and be clever. Uh, yes, he's not scoring. Massively, but he's also not scoring poorly, and he has got a bucket load of potential. So, yep. yep. Raul so, to Whitfield yep. should be a very popular trade. Yep, exactly. And if that's a midfield trade for now, Lockie's obviously got DPP, so you can swing him forward when you're um, when you're ready to upgrade to another midfielder. Number five on the list. Don't like this one, but I'll let you have your opinion. Dylan Shield. Oh, nope. Not even a... What's worse than no? Can we have another rating below no? Uh, oh, was, I think that was the Adam Saad rating of last week. Yeah. What do you got? Uh, <laughs> look, Dylan Shield has started like a house on fire, um, and he's obviously the superstar of Essendon's uh, mediocre midfield. What that means is he's going to come under far more attention moving forward. He's never proven that he's a, a truly 
elite super coach scorer. He's been out of the box to start off the year. Uh, there's so many other good options around that sort of uh, that have fallen premiums that I would go before him. He would be about 20th on my list. Uh, so a massive no for me. Yeah, I like the fact that we say if it's more than a no, it's an Adam Saad uh, because yeah, he was on the list last week. So yeah, definitely it's an Adam Saad for me too. I wouldn't go near him. Number six on the list is a defender who's 541,000 and has been playing ridiculously good football, Nick Haynes. Ooh, I like this one. I like this one a lot. Uh, I'm honestly yeah, averaging 114 for the season so far, mate. Yeah, he's been he's been, and I did catch a bit of the game on the weekend where he was um, almost best on. I'm, I'm still probably a no on this one. Um, main reason is kind of the the Sicily treatment, where as good as he is, there are going to be games where the footy just doesn't go his way, or he needs to play more lockdown. Um, and given the fact that there are some proven commodities like a, a Rory Laird available, and Shannon Hearn is going to be cheap as chips in a couple of weeks, I think you're probably jumping on at the absolute top of his valuation. I still reckon he, like, for example, I'd have him averaging more than Ridley for the rest of the year, and I think he's he's going to be more than serviceable, but uh, I reckon that's overs for Nick Haynes. Uh, yeah, I mean, I personally just wouldn't never pay $540,000 for a defender. So, yeah, it's a definite no from me. Once again, if you've got him, well done. Is it ripping pod? But, yeah, I wouldn't be trading him at that price. Uh, number seven, this one hurts a little bit. Jack Steele. Yes, yes, yes. He was good value a couple of weeks ago, so congratulations to everyone that jumped on him then, including myself. Uh, He is the one constant in the St Kilda midfield. So really the Saints are full of quick outside runners that they've tried to sort of copy the Richmond model, small forwards, speed around the ground. He is basically the one constant in at the coalface. He's got a great floor because he's going to end up with seven or eight tackles a week. Uh, so uh, I think absolutely feel safe in going for him and uh, pull the trigger. Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I don't really want to comment on this one, so we'll move on. Uh, Travis Boak. <laughs> nope. Number eight. So nope. Adam Saad. Adam Saad. $629,000. Adam Saad. There is yep. no chance in hell. If we thought Nick Haynes is near the top of his price, Travis Boak is not only near the top, but he's jumping in the air a little bit to just elevate further. No chance. With the, the value on offer, if you go row to Boak, you need to just shut your team down. Uh, yes, I would agree there. He's a gun. Love Travis, but yeah, there's no way you're paying that sort of money for for him. Now, I tell you what, it's sad that I'm losing to a lot of these people. It's yeah. just, uh, that's pretty rough. <laughs> that, um, I'm sure a lot of these people, Travis, traded in Travis Boak and Dylan Shearer have beaten us overall. Oh, they'd be flogging so us, yeah. Maybe, maybe you shouldn't listen. Anyway, um, we have two more, mate. A couple of rookies. So, number nine, Harrison Jones, 124K midfielder, played for the Hawks. I think he got about a 50-odd, looked okay. What do you reckon? Nope, nope. I think if you're going to go for a oh, – I'd be very surprised if anyone's doing a double downgrade this week because of uh, the amount of rookies that have been available over recent weeks. But definitely not. I think Arts from Richmond as a rookie makes more sense, and uh, I will be keeping a very close eye on your use demon squad this week to see if Harley gets a game because I would put him miles ahead of uh, Jones as well. Yep, he's on the plane and if Goodwin had half a brain, which he doesn't, he should play. So, yeah, I mean, that didn't really help because I don't know if he will or not. Um, and last on the list for this week is a Dogs rookie who's now up to 225000 after a 90 or something he got. He's uh, Latham Vandermeer. Yeah, I hate these picks. I hate I hate the like already a uh, couple of price rises, got up to low two thirties, unsure on job security and role, the Bevo effect. Um, yeah, not a fan. Also, there's just so many gun forwards available. Uh, and also the forward rookies are scoring well. I just don't know who you would have to trade to him. Is he dual position? Vandermeer? He might be. If he's dual position, uh, uh, then I can maybe he's, see he's it. Forward, he's forward mid. Okay. Then maybe I could see dishing one of your mids to him, but he's a no for me. Uh, yep. Definite no for me. So that's it, mate. That's, uh, that's it. That is this week's top 10. Uh, that was amazing. 
again. <laughs> that was amazing. It's safe to say. It's safe to say. Oh. Um, that'll bring the listeners in, and a lot of them will probably tune out at this point, and I don't blame them. Yeah, yep. Oh, well, uh, I don't know if we'd say amazing, but uh, I do like the conversation, mate. I do like the conversation. Mate, we're here for the people, and it's not about us anymore because our teams are shit. So looking at the most trading players and giving our opinion on that is uh, is what we can offer now. Yeah, so, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, it's very optimistic as well. I like that you look at the trade-ins rather than the trade-outs. That's uh, It's positive. But in order to get those players in, we do need to address the, the players that we are potentially looking to cull or move on. So maybe we should t- touch on a couple of those. Um, the first one I want to talk about, and it might be uh, a bit self-indulgent because we don't have Max Gorn, and so... Uh, it's very painful to watch when he's rucking against Camden McIntosh. Um, but uh, Mark Pitnett, for, for owners out there, how do you think we go about this? He's starting to reach the tipping of his uh, the price point where his break-even is near 80. He's not going to go up a heap more. I know Gorn is just ridiculously expensive, but for those that might be carrying Naismith as well or have a downgrade option, uh, what are we doing, mate? Oh, look, if you've got Pitnet at R3, I would just be cashing him, cashing him in when you see fit at the moment. Like, if you need money this week, do it. If you don't, hold him because, you know, he's still scoring okay. I mean, 83 is not bad, especially the price that we paid for him. I mean, mm-hmm. my midfielders can't get 83 that I pay 600k for, so not going to be too critical of, uh, of Mark. But... Yeah, it's kind of um, if you got him at R3, I'd consider training him, but also, you know, no problems in holding him. If you got him at R2, you don't have Max like we do. I'm just going to hold and hope that Max has a down game, downish game at some point. Because once again, I mean, the law of averages says he will. He has played genuine spuds in the rucks so far. He's got, you know, his first actual opponent this week in um, Jared Witts. So it'd be interesting to see what he does. I'd definitely be giving it one more week and then, you know, we can probably reassess. So, yeah, Pitner stays for mine. He's got the dogs as well who, you know, against English, they do get some decent ruck points just because he has to advantage, etc. So, yeah, I think if you're playing him, give him another week um, and then, yeah, just reassess the whole, uh, yeah, Max Gorn, Pitnet situation. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, I I tend to agree. I desperately want to get him in, though, so I might end up just caving and buying the bullet. We shall see. Um, We've touched on a lot of the potential upgrade options. I just wanted to talk about a couple of others, get your thoughts. Uh, Titch Mitchell. I waited up pretty hard this week. Both Titch and Danger are probably their cheapest price points they've been in a couple of years. Um, If like neither have ridiculously low break evens around the hundred mark, but uh, what do you reckon on either of them if you've uh, got the urge? Yeah, um, I wouldn't go Danger. Um, he just seems a little bit off this year. He's playing some decent minutes forward, and yeah, I mean he's got he's had five games now, and his highest scores are one forty where he did a bit in a close game. So yeah, I don't think Danger is worth it. But yeah, Mitchell on the other hand, I'm surprised he wasn't in that top ten most traded in players list because yeah, I'd be all over him. I am all over him. I'll be getting him this week or next week, just depending on what I do with my other trades with field. But uh yeah, I mean for me personally, and this is you know obviously someone who doesn't have Lockie, but I wouldn't be surprised to teach matches Lockie in a run home. Um, mm-hmm. he's the same sort of he's a better player than Lockie Neal. Once again, big um, he's definitely the same sort of play. He's got high tog, he tackles, he gets the loose ball, gets. Um, he's just you know gets the old one two all the time. There's no reason why um, yeah Titch won't be probably the highest average in from here on. I'm going to say he will be, but I like his chances. So yeah, he's definite yes for me if you're looking for a, an expensive midfield upgrade. Yeah, hundred percent. If you're looking at Travis Boak or you're looking at Dylan Shield, just stop looking and choose Tom Mitchell before you even think about either of them. But just to push back on the danger thing a little bit, yes, he's playing a little bit more time forward and he's not got the massive tog and he's sort of 30 years old now. But even on the weekend, he had two situations where contested marks that he normally gobbles just slipped through his fingers that both would have been set shots from from near straight in front. They go through, there's another 30-plus points. Like, I wouldn't be so worried about danger. Um, I brought him in last week, and he's not going to end up having 35 touches in a game, but he will have games where he has 25 and kicks three and uh, scores you 170. So, 
I would yeah. I would still he's not, be looking at He's not at the worst option, but I would personally just look elsewhere. Yep, fair enough. The other one that I just wanted to throw an honourable mention to quickly is Hugh Greenwood. Uh, with Matty Rao going out, there's going to be absolutely no question about him spending time in the guts at the centre bounces, uh, following the guns around and just getting 10 tackles a game. So uh, very, very safe bet as well. The last part as well to quickly touch on, mate, is you mentioned it uh, earlier on. We're starting to get to the culling of cash cows. It's the time that we wait for, for the first few weeks of the season where we start to get impatient and look to get rid of uh, rookies that are underperforming, but it seemed to happen on the weekend. Brown stunk it up. Wooderick stunk it up. Starsevich stunk it up. Noble got dropped. Brando was injured. It was uh, it was carnage. Uh, but of those in particular, maybe we throw Pitnet in there as well. If I was looking to cull rookies and you had to maybe rank, let's say, the top three that you wanted to get rid of, uh, how are we going with those? It's pretty tough. Um, I mean, I reckon it's, it's actually, I'll say it's near on impossible because I reckon it will be dictated solely by teams. Yeah, that's probably um, true. Because, you know, there's every chance. I mean, last week we were throwing with Brander and Noble, which was a little bit left field. There's every chance that those two miss again. Tyler Brown is likely to be out. He was pretty poor again, so he's probably the one for me that'll go. Um, and then the others will be solely based on if they keep their spot. Starsevich, I like. I'll probably keep him despite the high break even just because he is capable and I don't think he'll drop too much and I need the points on field and I've got other issues. Pretty much every other defender rookie I have isn't playing, so he'll stay. Um, and, yeah, the Bruderix and stuff of the world, it'll just be based on whether they keep their spots. Um, so, yeah, I will actually I'll throw one to you. Um, and yeah, I've actually traded him out, but I am considering trading back in. Um, is pick it mm. uh, just because um, the fact that Cochin and Presti have both gone out. Um, there's a couple others missing. He's definitely going to come back in, and I think there's every chance that he does pretty damn well and does turn out to be the rookie that we all thought he would be before he would preseason. It's obviously 200k now, so if you've got him. I would not be trading him out. If you don't have him, I would actually consider, like I am, um, trading him in. What do you think of that, mate? Yep, I do have him, and uh, I'm pretty excited about that. Of course you do. Yeah, of course I do. Keep these rookies that end up playing and doing well. Yeah, well, I just have faith in people, mate, unlike someone I know. Um, I would would definitely look at it. Uh, My pushback on that is... If Jake Arts is named, uh, I do like the fact that you're going to save 70K. Is Pickett going to make more than 70K more than that potentially? So it is not a bad look, but also I would be keeping an eye on Harley Bennell, probably almost above both of them, uh, to be honest. If he's picked, I think I would head that direction. But absolutely, like you're spot on. Pickett's going to have a spot back in this team, even if it's not this week. It'd be stupid if it wasn't. But if it's not this week, very soon. Um, and there is midfield minutes. So I would be uh, keeping a very close eye on Pickett. Um, for the record, from my side, I, I would also have Brown at number one. I'm not as big on Stasevich as you are. I do like him. But I, he is on the chopping block for me this week as well because I might be able to turn him into uh, Rory Laird while still getting Whitfield. So that uh, as we, it obviously depends on team structure, but I would uh, I would be chopping Brown and Stasevich if I had the two. Buderick's dual position is appealing and he's safe in that team as well. So uh, so you've been you've been lucky a few times just with like Pickett and Greens and stuff for the world, but you ask, I mean, this is another example of you've got a couple in like Noble and Brander that are sitting there not playing um, and you're prepared to just hope for the best and yep. think you're going to get lucky again as opposed to keeping someone who is playing. Yep. Well, I will have to trust that Brander was out because of injury. It did say injured. Um, I think, you know, there's not... I'm not overly hopeful he makes his way back in because they did play well, but I think both him and Noble are only just out of these sides. Um, Collingwood weren't great either, uh, and I think Noble certainly will get another game at some point. So they're lower down on my list to cut. For example, I would uh, if there weren't other options, I would be cutting Sam Naismith before I cut either of those if I can avoid it. I reckon he'll be forced into it because I have a feeling Rivers will be dropped and we're both stuck with Brandon Rivers and Noble, which mm. sucks. Mm. Um, but anyway, wait for teams to uh, see what happens there. 
Uh, yeah, Nate Smith's another one I've still got him. So he's colourable, obviously, because uh, he's never playing again. <laughs> Jesus. And on on that extremely happy note, why don't we uh, jump into our regular segments, man? Sounds good. All right, uh, our leaderboard in the Street in Oz Brownlow medal is starting to take shape, um, and there obviously was a lot of drama with the loss of Sam Rao, the current uh, Street in Oz Brownlow leader on the weekend. So it gives uh, a few different players a chance to catch him. Currently, he leads on 10, Doherty on 7, and Fife on 5. Um, it's about time that we add to that. Streety, give us your 3-2-1 from the weekend. Mate, I'm, I'm excited you have to vote for someone else. This week, <laughs> hey, he so, might still just get a sympathy vote. Yeah, well, uh, that's a good point. All right, um, one vote I'm going to give to, yeah, and one you know, similar to you last week. There's not a lot I can give votes to, uh, but I'm going to give one vote to Petrarca. I think he, once again, I felt he was underscored compared to others um, for the game, but also others over the weekend because he was phenomenal, um, especially in the first half. He only got a one eleven, but. Yeah, I think, um, you know, just, I mean, even if I compare him and your boy Sigler, chalk and cheese. Uh, so, yeah, I just wanted to chuck the track in there for the vote um, because, yeah, he's looking like he could very well be the number one forward. Just to, um, which is impressive. Quickly on the Petrarca one, I don't mean to interrupt your votes, but I feel like you'll appreciate this. Why the hell, after quarter time, was he standing at full forward? Please explain that to me, mate. I can't explain anything Simon Goodwin does. I have no idea. <laughs> like, 14 touches and so clearly the best player on the ground in the first quarter, and then he was had his ass glued to full forward. He still had an impact, but, like, oh, man, I was so angry. You know what I like about track is the fact he is a one-touch player. He picks up that ball He's so clean. cleanly. He's clean. And keeps his feet. He mm. never goes to ground, which is another thing I hate that footballers do. So, anyway, that's a bit of a D's fan in there, in there too, and I don't have much to smile about there. Uh, number two, I'm going to give to a rookie, and to quote my own self last week, this guy is very capable of a good score. I believe I said something along those lines, so keep him. And then he comes out with a 100 on the dot, <laughs> and, that, <laughs> and that rookie is Curtis Taylor. So, yeah, a little, little pat on the back for myself. You know, I do get some right occasionally. Um, but, yeah, he was, uh, he was really good. He, was, uh, he got that big score that, you know, I knew he'd get. And, uh, yeah, that, that helps for his cash generation considering a lot of the other rookies didn't perform. Um, and three votes goes to someone who I think we, we both we wrote it to each other on the weekend messages each wrote to each other it's not the 1940s messages each other on the weekend uh, saying that we definitely underappreciate what the, this guy does week in week out we both need him because we don't have anyone on the team that we can captain uh, goes to big Brody Grundy so once again he's, he's averaging 136.6 a year seems to go unnoticed because you know, we're just used to it, but you know, another phenomenal game, 151, could bank those points. And uh, thankfully we did because my captain would have been Bont. So uh, Brody should get extra three votes for that. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, it's very rare that you've based your votes uh, actually based on performance. And it's about time you gave Grundy the credit that he's due. Uh, so I'm impressed. Sorry, I, I forget how many times you've you voted for him. Yeah, I, I have. I voted for him once. So there you go. Uh, oh, yeah, that, sure. Now that's one all. Um my votes. So uh, I actually did have a couple of good players this week, which was a very pleasant change. But one vote, I'm going to have uh, a bit of a selfish pick, and I'm going to give it to Max P- Max King, basically because he looks like an absolute god of a footballer. He's 19 years old. He gets up that high when he's jumping for marks. He's agile. Managed to put out an 83, so that'll keep his price uh, heading up for at least the next couple of weeks. Um, and also, I'm a Saints fan, and he's the best thing that's wandered through the club in a long, long time. So Max King gets a vote. Two votes goes to Jordan Ridley because I was petrified picking a 12-gamer at 400K. Uh, That is just super coach, uh, no-go, never, ever. You just don't do it. It really should be a a rule that we don't break, but it did. And he stepped up and looked awesome and scored 120. As we said earlier on in the podcast, I wouldn't be jumping on now. I still don't think he's going to... Um, end in the top six defenders uh, and there are other options to jump on but I was pretty grateful that Dylan Robertson is gone and Jordan Ridley is in so he gets the two and the three votes the easiest three 
I'm going to give all year, and it's because my man Streety completely disrespected me and jumped off a player that we said was going to be the podcast's boy. You were sending me messages saying, great, it's so exciting. We can have a, a, a player that's not just the, I, in Streety's table. I deserve, I deserve this one. I'll cop it. And you ditched him. Cogs dished you up a 43, and Jack Steele uh, took Paddy Cripps to the cleaners on Thursday night. He looked awesome. He was everywhere the footy was. He was tackling. Oh, mate, he just got me going. And also, it sticks it right up you for uh, not backing up what you said you were going to do. And so, Jack Steele, if I could give you more than three, I would, but three votes goes to you. Uh, yeah, mate, fair enough. I'll definitely cop that one. And trust me, I regret it every hour of every day. So <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's heavy chat. Uh, that's, my, that's my biggest problem in life. <laughs> yeah, wow. Well, things are good with uh, with Streety. So in terms of the leaderboard, the only real change is Grundy's now up to five votes, so equal third. Matty Rao, can he hold on? Let's jump into the worst ons. Was, uh, that was painful for me, but, you know, fair enough for you there, Oz. Uh, but, yeah, now it's time for the worst on segment. And, you know, you did all right, so I'll be interested to see who you've got. And uh, hopefully you don't just blast a few rookies like you tend to do. But, uh, yeah, if you want to kick us off, mate, um, and, uh, yeah, let us know who you've got in your worst on this week. I'm just trying to remember if I've ever given votes to a rookie. Uh, I think that could be the, <laughs> the least factual slur I've ever heard. But, anyway, okay, thanks for the introduction, uh, Streety. Really appreciate it. One vote. I, I am. Know, gonna... I don't have the leaderboard here, but I'm pretty sure you did. No, I don't think that's happened. Anyway, uh, one vote is... Uh, is jumping on board your bandwagon and just going to coaches in general. They're going to get another point this week. Like it. Why the hell you would drop uh, Johnny Noble, I don't understand. I think he's been one of the better uh, players. He's been named on the field for Collingwood every single week. They uh, had players like Tyler Brown and Rupert Wills played 40% game time like why on earth you wouldn't want another running defender I don't know so Bucks what are you doing Goodwin you had the best player on the ground and you decided what I'll do is I'll just take him as far out of the action as I possibly can I'll stick Petrarca at full forward when he had 14 touches in the first quarter oh mate coaches in general you get a point uh, don't know what you're doing two votes big Ben McAvoy gets the two votes for being so crap at fullback that he has completely ruined a superstar Ruckman's chances of spending time on and around the footy. Segler was looking good, doing his thing, uh, you know, just on his way to another reliable 90. And McAvoy was so useless that they had to completely scrap that plan and start going 50-50 in the Ruck. And then at the end of the game, he kicks a couple of goals as a forward and everyone acts like he's a hero. No, you cost us big time, uh, big boy. So you are copping two votes 100,000% because it is not Mate. Segler's fault, it is your you're, fault. You're so obsessed with Segler that he avoids the votes for uh, for Big Boy. If McAvoy like, was oh, any good, the, it'd the be Spud fine. Ruckman you, the Spud Ruckman you love, uh, just the, the gifts that keep on giving to my team. No, no, that's all on McAvoy, not on Segs. He's a star. And three votes, uh, uh, pretty easy, to be honest. Brandon Parfit, don't tackle Matty Rao. What are you doing? Matty Rao was the only good thing going in this Supercoach season and you've gone and bloody drilled him into the ground. He's done his shoulder. Pretty stiff because, you know, you are supposed to tackle in football. But, mate, uh, Matty Rao was, yeah, about the only thing I was looking forward to other than the Saints when I sat down to watch footy. And uh, I can't do that anymore. So, Brandon Parfit, you've got to cop it. You get the three votes, mate. Fair enough, mate. I agree there. That was, uh, yeah, obviously it wasn't his fault, but it, um, it has robbed us of the uh, of Matty, Matty Rao, which sucks. All right, my turn. One vote. I'm not going to give to Big Boy. I'm going to give to Segler uh, because he dished up a 53. Yes, he was taken out of the ruck, but I think, unfortunately for us, that's potentially a sign of things to come because when he's in the ruck, he doesn't do a lot either. And Big Boy's a pretty good ruckman. So, I mean, in Clark, out of that experiment that he's doing, like, Clark is a stubborn guy, so I think he'll continue it. But, uh, yeah, I think there's every chance that uh, your boy Segler becomes a bit of a headache for us. He's got, he's got, uh, I believe he's got Grundy this week and then Max Gorn the following week. So, you know, come, he might feature, he might be leading this in two weeks' time because um, he's going to stay on my team just so I can give him votes. Um, <laughs> 
Two votes is going to go to someone who avoided this uh, this last week because of his second half. This week wasn't as fortunate, but James Sisley, 44, isn't great. He's now averaging 90 for the season. So, you know, once again, a pick that I thought I got all right isn't now. Um, he yeah, just had a mare, and uh, I think that's, you know, that's essentially one good half in two weeks now, and that's just not going to cut it. Uh, you're going to have more poor scores than good ones if you keep that up. James, so you get the two votes. Three votes. I could have given a number. I could have given a number of things. Three votes, but I'm going to give it to the uh, these, these these damn players from this damn football club. Actually, this whole football club just continues to just ruin my team. But Western Bulldogs <laughs> and anything to do with that football club. Once again, I've gone. I've gone back there. I brought Bond in and he dishes up a 55 like Benning can mate. Dunkley, Beveridge, Bond, Jack McRae. It's just the gift that keeps on freaking giving. And I'm sick of it. But I'm going to give the three votes to both Bond and Jack McRae because Jack McRae is not much better. I mean, Benning can. <laughs> he didn't get tagged. He needed to redeem himself after last week. He was freaking 680000 whatever I paid for him, 40 k to Lockie Neal, and he got another 90 to spud it up and get an average 100 for the year. And then Bont, his lowest score in God knows how long, a 55, a 55 like, <laughs> oh, just, I hate the Bulldogs and I hate every player that plays for them, yet they keep ending up in my team and just spudding it up, and I am sick of it. Three votes goes to the two of them, and I hope they win this damn thing. Wow, that was that was beautiful, well delivered, impassioned. Normally, I would yeah, push I'm back. Fired up. I'm go- I've gone a bit brave. Yeah, I can fast. see there's a bit of sweat dripping off your brow. Normally, I'd push back and say you've given three votes to two separate players, but after that incredible delivery, mate, I uh, yeah, I'm going to allow it. That's uh, that was beautiful. I don't like complimenting you, but that was good. Why do the dogs, why do they keep doing it to me? Don't know, mate. Don't know. Uh, well, I mean... Why, but, why do I keep going back? That's probably more yeah, the Look, that, I think that's the lesson, isn't it? Um, that's the same reason that you'll probably trade in this Vandermeer kid and uh, we'll have this same rant next week. Um, there you go. A nice variety in the votes. I think the, the big thing there is that the coaches obviously snagged another vote, but Jack McRae therefore jumps up into equal second. So it's the coaches yes. in the lead followed by... Dunkley and McRae, so it's, <laughs> it's like heavy Bulldogs. Bulldogs. <laughs> that, that, co- that coach's category is definitely led by Luke Beveridge as well. So uh, <laughs> he's the captain of that coach's group. So we've got three dogs as our three number three, as our I was told as our top three. There you go, mate. Sums it up, doesn't it? <laughs> All right, Oz. So this is going to be a little bit different as well. Uh, we've actually mixed things. I, I came to you. I, I messaged you this morning. I was like, mate. Let me take Oz's off him this week. Call them streets off him. Everyone's been asking for it, so I thought I'd uh, I'd give them what they want. But also, I just I just I just wanted to get something off my chest, and it's not Bulldogs related. Uh, but the Bulldogs players would have something to do with the overall theme. Anyway, spoilers won't jump ahead. That means uh, you can have my segment, and even though you won't do as good a job as I have every week, <laughs> um, I you would have your own stable of players. Um, Oz's stable doesn't sound as good, but you know, we'll roll with it. And uh, you can you can let us let us myself and the listeners into a little bit of a, a little bit of your super coach history, your football following history, and uh, yeah, bring maybe one from the archives of someone you've uh, you've claimed as your boy over the years. And uh, yeah, we all can't wait. Uh, I, we can't do this anymore because that was the longest intro I've ever heard <laughs> to uh, essentially just say, hey, we've well, switched to, this week. I had to, well, I had to, well, there's, there's going to be a reason why we switched. Oh, yeah, and it's because you're cranky. End. Done. All right. Anyway, we'll move. Look, I paid, I am I am honoured to, uh, you know, jump into running the stable this week. And so as a result, I didn't want to just completely uh, put my own spin on it. So the player that I've picked, I know for a fact that if we dig deep into your stable, he will probably be in there somewhere. Um, and he's he was my favourite player, uh, despite the fact that he didn't play for my football club. He was a super coach god, member of the 200 club. So go back and listen to that quiz if you haven't yet. So he'd scored 200 points in a game. He'd also come very close to repeating that a number of times. Um, had an average of 125 in 2006, as well as uh, averages in excess of 108 for four years in a row through that span. That man is Joel Bowden. 
absolutely loved Joel Bowden. He was uh, the definition of a seagull, um, just floating around the back, chip kicks, uh, uncontested marks, you know, getting up over 20 marks in a game, 40-odd touches, and of those, 35 would be effective kicks. He, uh, When he would kick it to himself, you know, run through, concede a behind, just accumulate points. There was absolutely nobody better to own in Supercoach than Joel Bowden, particularly as a defender where it was quite scarce. Uh, so, no, he uh, he deserves a mention. He's Supercoach royalty. Uh, the fact that you hadn't put him in your stable means oh, I've got to do it for you. Well done, Joel. You're in. Yeah, no, mate, love that. Um, you're going back a bit, and you know I think I did claim at one point, or say at one point, that Heath Scotland was the OGC goal. I take that back because Joel Bowden definitely was. Mm-hmm. Uh, love it. It was a freak. I mean, a 125 average in years as a defender. Like we, you know, <laughs> talk about Doherty and how good he is, and that was that's ten more than, well, probably more than ten his best season. So, yeah, if you are if you weren't playing Supercoach back then, and we're sort of talking the you know, early mid 2000s. Uh, jump on fan footy and uh, yeah, have a quick search of Joel Bowden and just uh, yeah, have a look at what we're talking about because yeah, some of the years he had, uh, he just banged out massive scores every single week as a defender, chipping yep. the ball around. He just loved a good mark and uh, yeah, play on from defence. So no, love it, mate. He was uh, he was an absolute gun. You've got uh, you're a man that loves a good ratio. 2006, 87 dream team, 125 super coach. That. That says all you need to know about the great Joel Bowden. Uh, yep, welcome to uh, Oz's stable. I'll tell you what, I'm pretty excited about this. Whenever someone sends you a message and says, Oz, I need your segment, we've already heard how fired up he is uh, and he's whinged about a lot of stuff. So uh, whatever this is, to be the number one thing that Streety is off, uh, I am very, very keen to hear. Over to you, mate. The floor is yours. Look, mate, there's a number of things that I could talk about in this segment. And, uh, yeah, if you want a a little bit of uh, a background into the things that I historically get angry at, have a look at my Twitter uh, because there was a few holding the ball uh, examples on Sunday that just did my absolute heading. But you know what? That's not what I'm going to talk about. And I'm also not going to get as angry as I did before about the dogs players because, you know, that one uh, was just raw emotion. And you know, I'm going to be um, just a bit more calm and collected here. And I just want to talk about what I'm off. And what I'm off at the moment is season 2020. Oh, wow. Fair income. <laughs> Season 2020, or well, you know what, 2020 in general, outside of the wedding to my now beautiful wife, Carly. Um, good save, mate. Has, yeah, very good save. She doesn't listen, so it would have been okay. <laughs> um, is just a, it's just a disaster, mate. Like, I'm so sick of it, and it's great to have football back, and I enjoy sitting there and watching on the weekend. But this Supercoach season especially, mate, it can just get stuffed. I'm just that sick of just the things that are happening, the players that are getting injured, the players that are scoring poorly, the players that are doing well for other people, like freaking Maynard banged out another 130-something on the weekend. you got Jordan Ridley, who's played 12 games, banging out 120s every week. you got Bonten Pally for 55. you got Titchell's Dangerfield, who just you know, seemingly aren't the players that they were 12 months ago. Uh, it's just, you know, Max Gorn, I- I'm just... I'm sick of it. It's uh, it's great to watch football on the weekend, but it's not great to follow Supercoach. The scoring is out of whack. The game itself is poor. I think you've already touched on that with the you know the congestion and the, the rules and just everything about AFL uh, is just. I'm I'm just sick of it, and I'm off it, mate. I'm off it for 2020. I can't. I said to my mate earlier, I cannot wait to at the European Beer Cafe on New Year's Eve because you know. Little plug for them. Oh, You're working um, on a sponsorship, mate. And okay. just and just um, and saying goodbye to 2020, so we can look towards 2021. I think you know my mate messaged me about Nathan Fife this morning. I was like, fair income that just about sums it up, doesn't it? Because uh, yeah, I'm just I'm sick of it, mate. I'm off it, and uh, yeah, I, I don't know. That's all I've got. 
Right, fair enough. Nowhere near as good as when I do it, but uh, I hear you. Uh, firstly, I've got a couple of points in response. One, I still refuse to believe Fife will play. I did, like, I've seen the reports. If he's done a hammy, he will not play. So I'd be very, very shocked. Two, you are correct. Your wedding was wonderful. You do have a beautiful wife, Carly, so you should be grateful about that. Three, the year 2020 uh, in general has been rather crap. A lot of bad things going on in the world. But four, on the Supercoach season, really the only reason in my mind that all of the things that you just said are happening is because of the shorter games. I genuinely think you take away the shorter games and you make the games the regular length and then everything that you just alluded to changes. The scaling is less of a cock-up. There's, yes, still young players that need to deliver and maybe Ridley scoring ridiculously, but it's much harder for the players to run out games because then they don't have the mature bodies. Um, And then the players that are underperforming, you know, the likes of a, who's an example, Whitfield or a Kelly, for example, example, you know, they run out quarters really, really strongly. Um, Lockie Neal has to come to the bench because he can't play 100% on 20-minute quarters. So I hear you, but I think you're uh, you're really just stealing miles as often for a few weeks ago, which was shorter quarters because that's the crux of the issue. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, but I mean, you, you, I don't think you, you, you could probably blame COVID, actually, not shorter quarters. Uh, um, <laughs> wow. If you want to get technical. <laughs> we, we, we really <laughs> elevated the convo here. Yeah, I know, right? We'll, uh, we'll steal away from that because, uh, yep. yeah, it's not my specialty. But, yeah, mate, you're right. It is the shorter quarters that's dictated a lot of things. Um, and the fact, you know, we've now got hubs and players playing at home yeah. every week versus ones that aren't. And, you know, the whole season is just different. And I just, because last year was so bad, I was so excited about season mm. 2020. And then to be dished up this, it's, uh, it's been personally pretty cool. But anyway, mm. we'll, uh, we'll continue doing what we do. This podcast has been good. And at least, you know, I can uh, bring out gems like Curtis Taylor to give my listeners <laughs> something, give the listeners something. Oh, and that's what I'll keep doing. Uh, but, yeah, personally, I'm definitely off and sick of 2020. Yeah, right. Okay. We'll leave the Curtis Taylor point alone. One quick uh, Oz is on them. Ready? Just to, no, to no, wrap up this segment. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it. Oz is on them. What do you think? I have a new segment earlier in the show. <laughs> well, well, I'll throw to you then. What are your thoughts on the crowd noise on TV? I'm loving it. I reckon it's freaking yeah. awesome. It's brilliant. They didn't have it for, like, two minutes of the Melbourne-Richmond game, and I said to Carly, I'm like, this is shit. Mm. Um, I, I think it's brilliant. Yeah, big fan. It's probably better. It's probably almost as good as actual crowd noise. Yeah. So, yeah, well, I think um, anyone that criticizes that, I think they're just complaining to for no apparent reason because well, it definitely makes the experience a lot better. I mean, at the D's Richmond game's a good example. They had the crowd going absolutely bonkers when uh, the D's were down by five goals with about seven minutes to go. The real crowd wouldn't have been making anywhere near that level of noise. So from a TV experience, it was pretty good. Um, yep, yeah, cool. Okay, that's the last time you ever get that segment. So I'm glad you just encompassed an entire year uh, to get it all off your chest, mate. So well done. All right, so let's wrap this thing up, Streety. Um, I don't know that I like the switching of segments, so let's uh, completely put that one to bed and go back to normal next week. Yeah, um, I think I did a good job at your one. You didn't do a great job at my one. So for you know, for the betterment of the podcast, I agree. Oh, all right, we'll uh, agree to disagree <laughs> there, mate. Um, what are you likely to do this week? We've obviously alluded to a lot of potential trade-ins. At this oh, early stage, what are you thinking, mate? Every time I have plans, the teams on Thursday night, which once again I feel are more volatile than normal years, yeah. uh, seem to ruin that. So, yeah, look, I was I was hoping to double up because I got the money in Whitfield and Titch. But, yeah, I think either Pickett or Art, one of them probably with Richmond's injuries, might have to come in, unfortunately, and so we have to wait a week on the other one. So, yeah, it'll be one of Whitfield or Titch and then one of the Richmond rookies at this stage. But as I said before, I reckon we'll play some head backs in defence and I unfortunately might have to get someone there. What about yourself? Yeah, fair enough. I I think for me, Whitfield is very likely um, to come in regardless. Uh, And then I'm trying to, or hopefully selection is kind, and if it is kind, I quite like the idea of bringing in Rory Laird as well. because I just have the cash to do that. If not, uh, Tom Mitchell is another one that I'm obviously looking at very, very closely for all the reasons we talked about. Um, And that is just pending me not 
getting sick to death of not having gone and just biting the bullet and just doing it. So uh, it'll be one of those varieties, Whitfield being almost the non-negotiable as part of that, I think. Um, to get a 600K valued forward at this price, you're not going to do any better. He might not end up averaging the 110, 115 that we'd hope, but he'll average 100 from here on in. So uh, he is likely for me. And then uh, when it comes to the captaincies, I don't even care. It'll just be Grundy, whatever he does, to be honest, for me. If you've got Gorn, if you've got Neil, good on you. Um, obviously, that's the VCC combo. Anything to add to that, mate? Uh, yeah, mate. Unfortunately, I'm in the same boat as you. Don't have a lucky or Gorn. So Grundy, we VC. And then I'm just going to cross my fingers and hope for the best uh, because I honestly don't know who I'd captain in my team. Uh, but, yeah, obviously, if you've got one of those other two, Max has wits, lucky has... Not even sure who's lucky. Have doesn't matter. He'll play 100% game time and score 150 anyway. Mm, that's true. I might actually. Sorry, looking at the fixture, um, you've got danger against the Lions in the first game, so I might actually do a danger into Grundy. Um, just because, yeah, as we touched on, don't have anyone else. All right, that's good for me to know, so I'll leave both of them out. Uh, and also, I'm not going to trade in Whitfield anymore on account of anything yes, you do turns to crap. Yeah. Yeah, togs will be low 80. Yeah. Not yeah. I should say. Um, all right, awesome. That about does us for this week. Sorry if we uh, whinged and complained our way through the past hour or so, but, you know, when we're struggling like this, there's not much else to do. It's all going to turn around so, this week. So though, mate, I just wanna, that's why we have this segment that I do. Uh, because you know, if someone is is doing well, they can just tune in for that ten minutes and get something out of the podcast. It isn't just us complaining about our teams. There you go. All right. So that's the lesson in future. Skip to the twenty-one minute mark, and then away you go. Um, that's it for us. We'll be New Year's next week.